After my first year at uh, St. Paul Seminary, my brothers and I, my two brothers and I decided to go to uh, Lake of the Woods for a, a quick fishing trip. It was a three-day fishing trip. We decided to go up to the Northwest Angle. So that's the area of Lake of the Woods you have to drive through uh, Canada to come back into to Minnesota. But we were, we were fishing actually the Canadian side and and because of that, we knew that it was kind of a difficult place to fish, at least your first time. And so we decided for the first day to, to hire a guide to kind of show us the, the ropes and to show us where the fish are, and just have a better understanding of actually how to catch the, the fish. But we're also going 20 to 25 miles out. We wanted to see as much as possible. I remember that, that first morning we're on our way out, maybe about 10 miles out, and I could see at a distance... Uh, all these birds kind of circling up in the, the air. And eventually they started to land by one boat, and the boat was all by himself. And they were, they were kind of herring gulls, we'll just call them seagulls, it's much easier to say seagulls than herring gulls, by the way. And they're all surrounding this, this one boat. And so I asked the guy, I said, what, what's going on over there? He says, well, that boat is owned by uh, a certain man, he's part of the, the reservation up here, uh, and he has permission to net fish. I'm thinking, okay, but why are all the birds there? As we got closer, it was very apparent why all the birds were there. You see, this, 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 uh, this guy, this fisherman, when he was netting fish, only wanted to keep the good fish. And of course, we know the best fish to eat ever is walleye, by the way. And so that's what he was keeping, the, the walleye and, and the sauger. But what he wasn't keeping were the predator fish, the muskies, and the northerns, the ones that eat the fish that he wanted uh, to keep. And so did this throwing them back into the water, well, he destroyed those fish. He ended their life and put them back in the water, and the seagulls, well, they saw this as a free breakfast, and they were there to consume these discarded fish. It was kind of a shocking image to see. But it shows what our parable is showing today as well. A little bit shocking here, what Jesus has to say. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like what? It is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. They don't throw it back into the sea. They throw it away. This will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. There will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Whew. It's not the easiest parable to read, is it? But Jesus speaks the truth. We know this. We know that there's heaven, and we know there's hell. And we know that there's going to be this judgment, where the angels are going to come, and they're going to separate what? The righteous from the wicked. So how do we be righteous? How do we be the, the good fish, we could, we could say? 
We have a perfect example today by Solomon, by the way. Solomon, in our first reading, the Lord appears to him, God appears to him in dream, and says to him, ask something of me and I will give it to you. Now, if he was wicked, and he was good at this point, by the way, but if he was, if he was wicked, he would have said, give all my enemies over to me so I may have the whole world as my kingdom. He could have said, give me all the riches of the world. He could have said as, as well, let me live forever. It's kind of like those three wishes a genie's going to give you, right? And yet, what does Solomon ask for? This is so beautiful. This is what he says. I serve you in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a people so vast that it cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding heart to judge your people and distinguish right from wrong. Give me an understanding heart so that I may judge in a way that is good. Distinguish between right and wrong and helping to lead them to what? Lead them to you, Lord. And of course, God gives him this gift. He says, I give you a heart so wise and understanding. And there has never been anyone like you up to now. And after you, there will, be no, will come no one equal to you. He gives him this heart of understanding between right and wrong to help him to be what? Righteous and not wicked. And at first, we're going to be kind of jealous of Solomon, like, oof, I wish I had that. But we do. You see, God reveals not only himself to us, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but he also reveals his law to us. He reveals the precepts of the church to us so we may follow in his way, so that we may be righteous. We hear about this in our responsorial psalm today. The responsorial psalm itself is from Psalm 97. It says this, Lord, I love your commands. This is probably not something too many high school kids are saying, by the way. Lord, I, I love your commands. Maybe even as an example, we could use, you know, parents so often, it's a good thing to have. You have a curfew for your children, especially maybe when they're in their high school. Even in college, it would not be a bad idea to do sometimes, right? Good luck with that. But why do you have a curfew for your children? Not to burden them, not to oppress them, but to help them. Because we know after a certain time at night, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, whatever time it is, that only evil is going to happen. Or it's much easier to give into wickedness or to get into trouble. Will your kids fight that curfew? Of course they will. They're in high school. It's what they're called to do. Fight a little bit. But are you going to hold to it? Yes. Why? Because you love them. Not to oppress them, but to help them. And this is the same with God. His laws, his precepts are not meant to oppress us. They're meant to help us enter into a relationship with him. To find that pearl of great price. Even this first verse we have from the responsorial Psalm 119 verse 57. I have said, O Lord, that my part is to keep your words the law of your mouth is to me more precious 
than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your law, Lord, is more precious than all the gold or silver in the world. How can someone say that? How could someone actually believe that? Because they know what brings them fulfillment is not wealth. It's God. And what his law does, what his precepts do, is they lead us to him. Not only to him, but they keep us in a relationship with him. This relationship that we should truly value is this pearl of great price. Ooh, and these two parables are so beautiful. The treasure found in the field. That someone goes and sells all that they have so they can buy that field and have that treasure. That merchant who has been searching his whole life for that pearl of great price, when he finds it, what does he do? He sells everything else and purchases that pearl. What is that for us, by the way? That's our relationship with God. Entering into this relationship with him, which is going to lead us what, as it says, to the kingdom of heaven. And the beautiful thing about this parable, which gets wrong a little bit, by the way, you see, God doesn't hide himself from us. He's not hidden in a field. You don't have to go down to a shop in Excelsior, an antique store, and go try to find him down there. He's right here. Truly present in the Eucharist. He avails himself to us. Not only avails himself to us, he gives himself to us in a little bit. We are going to receive him into our body, into our soul. He is going to abide in us. How beautiful. How wonderful. And what are we called to do when this happens? We're called to say to the Lord, Lord, abide in me. Transform me. Help me to truly see you as the pearl beyond all value, that you are all that I am longing for. As St. Augustine says, our soul is restless until it rests in thee. But the Lord is saying, I'm here to give you what? I'm here to give you life. I'm here to give you all that you are longing for. What we're called to do is to hold on to him and not to lose this great gift that God gives to us. To truly treat him as our precious, as our all. And how do we do this? We do it through the precepts of the church, staying in this relationship with him. And we do it through a welcome and continue into our life, especially in the sacraments. When we do this, we will be the righteous and not the wicked. Not only cast into his net, not only placed into his bucket, but being with him forever in the kingdom of heaven when we truly live for him and for him alone.